Hey guys, Dan here. I want to say a massive thank you to our new sponsors, Fight Fuel UK. Fight Fuel UK are a sports supplement and clothing company for the boxing, MMA, and martial arts community. Be sure to check out their great products on fightfuel.co.uk. And remember, guys, by supporting our sponsors, you support the podcast. Thank you for listening, and please enjoy this episode. Here we are, Norbert. Here we are with Dom. How are we doing, guys? Norbert, your hair. I want that hair. What is going on there? My buzz cut isn't doing wonders. This hairline isn't there. And here you are with these locks. Like, how do you find training with that kind of hair? Like, does that not get in the way? It's horrible. It's, it's <laughs> horrible. When, and at my gym, it's like the atmosphere is not the nicest. So I go in, everyone takes the piss out of me. Just before I leave, they, piss out, they take the piss out of me again. So, yeah. It's, it's kind of hard to live with, but you know, when you wash it and it smells nice and feels nice, it's just amazing. And you put your fingers in it, it's quite nice, I'm not gonna lie. Do you know um, <laughs> Elias Theodoro in the UFC? It's the same yeah. kind of like mane, that kind of like, you know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I want, uh, to be fair, probably when I've got a fight, I'm probably gonna cut it because it's just annoying, but at the moment, I'm just enjoying it. To oh. be fair, he's the first He's the first ringman, isn't he, ever? He was the Invicta ringman. I think he still is, so we could try and get uh, Norbert on that after. There we are. <laughs> shameless plugs, shameless plugs. That's what we want. <laughs> How are you doing, my friend? Let's go on to actual MMA and fighting stuff, not just, you know, bumming your hair out and, like, you know, being too jealous. So how's lockdown treating you? How's your training going? Yeah, actually, just, like, I had a nap. Because I trained in the morning, I had a nap. And I, I was almost late because I, I was like, I woke up and I was like, shit, I only have like 40 minutes left. I need to get a workout. Here. So I just did some CrossFit now. But yeah, man, like I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm in shape. So when they say that, like, you know, when they give me a fire, I'll be ready to go. You know, we've been, we luckily, we, we can train now. So we've been just putting the work rounds after rounds. It's, you know, it's hard, but it is what it is. I mean, this is always quite interesting, trying to like stay disciplined when you can't actually train. There's no facility, there's no events booked. Just trying to keep that main, that sort of maintenance yeah. of that fitness level as well. And like you're saying, like you sort of woke up back from me now, I've had a quick CrossFit session. Like when you say CrossFit yeah. session, what do you mean by that? Is that like a random wad you've just picked out of the air? Is it something you wanted to work nah, on? No, nah, like, because I've been doing CrossFit for some time now. And like I can, I, I learn how to like program them. So I just write the sessions for myself. Or I just get some online, but this one actually I wrote it for myself. Kind of know how, like, how many reps, how many sets of this exercise and that exercise, and uh, and how long it would last and stuff. So luckily now I can program it for myself. But yeah, it was just a light one to get it out of the way. Now this is going to be quite an interesting and probably a lot of conflicting conversations. So when it comes to CrossFit mindset and kipping and you know wads and that kind of emoms and all the acronyms and that kind of intensity yeah. how do you find doing crossfit with mma strength mma training because again you're burning out from mma you're burning out from crossfit how do you find doing it all as such how do you find structuring it all yeah it's really hard like i try to when i've got like i try to do crossfit on the days i don't i'm not really training or or my session is a bit lighter or if i've got a hard session or whatever uh and i only train once uh, like I only had one MMA session, then uh, let's put it. I put a light one in uh, in the evening. But yeah, it's just hard to to put the two together because, like, let's say you've got sparring the next day, you kind of want to be fresh. But if like if you do CrossFit, you're never going to be fresh because it just meshes you cardiovascularly, muscularly. So yeah, it's kind of hard. But at the end of the day, they just go well. Good, they go together very well because of the movements. Quite functional. Yeah. 
I mean, there's also an interesting point of that and the sort of athletic movements they've got and that kind of diverse thing. How do you find with your development in that side, like with your CrossFit training itself, are you doing a lot of the same kind of routines or is it completely different all the time? Are you trying to build up certain movements? Like how do you find to, I don't know, fine tune your strength conditioning and get most out of it? Yeah, so I actually have my own like strength conditioning sessions normally when like before the lockdown, I actually had it twice a week. Uh, which is just basically lifting, obviously. Then I've got my cardio sessions, whatever. I just put this in there. But when I do CrossFit, I try to make it as CrossFit as possible because it's just like another stuff. You know, it's like when everything's about fighting, 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 you want to have something else outside of fighting. And I, I, I think CrossFit for me is that it still pushes my body, still helps me get to where I want to be. But there's just there's that extra like little curricular activity that I enjoy. Do you get what I mean? Oh, 100%. You need that time to kind of switch off as well. Because again, if it's just, you, you go to the gym, you fight, you go home, you watch Fight Pass, you listen to Joe Rogan, you're thinking, oh, yeah. <laughs> just give me, or Fist the Cuffs, you know, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, yeah. anywhere you want to find your podcast. Just drop it in there, little shameless plug. <laughs> but, <laughs> but when it comes to that kind of time away from it, like, do you follow like the CrossFit stuff? Like, um, was it Fitness or yeah. like Matt Fraser and like um, Sarah yeah, Sigmund no, no, Starter, no, no. whatever her name is? <laughs> I'm not really into it as well. There's a thing. So actually, my coach had a few conversations with me because uh, I had days when I had something else to do, and then I didn't because I, I had to take my liberal school or something like that, and I had a fight coming up, and like I didn't tell anyone, but I still worked that still the CrossFit. My coach is like, listen, do you want to be a CrossFit or a fighter? Like I, I really actually enjoy it. It's it's so hard, and and luckily during lockdown. Um, one of my friends, he's got um, a CrossFit gym in Ashford, and he he uh, let me use it. And um, yeah, I was I just I was very lucky to to have him because I could do for like a month or two. I could just put like mad CrossFit workouts like twice a day. You get what well, I mean? I would literally train like a CrossFitter. So uh, yeah, like I'm I'm I actually am following it. Yeah. I mean, this is a really interesting side of that as well because again, you get these sort of crossroads almost of okay if push comes to shove you've got both events on the same day you've got your fight book for that day and you've got your crossfit event that day then then what do you choose and he's kind of like you know like in the films yeah, that kind I'm... of like decision like, <laughs> which path am i going to go it's down in, as i said crossfit is more of a hobby fighting is is why i do and that's my that's my love crossfit is like a little hobby, hobby that I, can, oh, I don't know why it's a hobby uh, a little hobby that i can i can uh i can do in my free time so yeah it would it would be fighting 100%. But eventually, you never know. If if I finish fighting early, like in my 30s, you know, I've got a few titles, a lot of money in my bank account. I might, I might as well just go into CrossFit as well. So we'll see. I start juicing up as well. I mean, CrossFit being, <laughs> being your um, booty call, I mean, that's an interesting kind of thing, like ad hoc kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, call it what you want. Anyway, Dom, how are you holding up? <laughs> Any... um. I don't know. I don't know where to sort of take this conversation now. How are you finding things? Are you getting on? Yeah, no, mate. All good. You missing um, me? Oh, mate. When are we going to officially change the name of this podcast to uh, the Dick and Dom podcast? Because I'm on here quite regularly now. What is this number four? Are you calling me a dick? <laughs> Ironically, not. I'll be the dick, even though my name's Dom. I'll still be the dick of the group. So <laughs> that will go. But no, it's been good, mate. It's uh, it's been busy. Some very exciting stuff that I can't talk about but Ooh. I will talk about very soon but yeah very very exciting stuff just waiting for some more fights to happen obviously 
We've got some fights tomorrow to watch, but I'm looking forward to Yaz Island. But more importantly, I'm looking forward to seeing Bellator come back to Europe. Oh, very, yeah. very topical. I mean, that's a very knobby thing to say. I've got a secret, but I can't tell you. Sorry, it's a secret. I can't cool. tell you. People do it at school all the time. I said, I just found something out about you, but I can't tell you. It's a secret. <laughs> yeah, no, the truth is, it's just like, yeah, I think I fingered a certain girl and I just don't want to tell you about it. But we'll she goes, keep to, it she goes to different schools, all right? Like, yeah, you, exactly. You'll know it. You'll know it she goes to school in France, but don't worry about it. She's uh, she's also modelling part time, part lesbian, whatever. That's what, what it is. is. She's got an alias, so don't worry. Part, she... part <laughs> So how did you guys get in contact in the first place? Let's go back to actual. I'll sort of flip between, you know, proper professional so, interviewing. Do, do, do you know how I actually met Dom? It's a very funny story. So Was this your Dom's States, girlfriend yeah. and um thing? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> Listen, I'm, I'm in the States. I go to the toilet. I go to the toilet. This guy is having a piss with his pants down, right? Are you so one of these guys? <laughs> and I'm like, what are you doing? And that's how I met him. And up to this day, he still does it. It's it's mad. Yeah, <laughs> but that's how I met him. <laughs> yeah, he, who's the weirdo one? The guy going for a piss with his pants down or the guy who looked at him and went, I want to work with you. I want to spend a lot of time with you. <laughs> well, that's what you're going to call it, Dick and Dom. I'll give you that much. I mean, there we go. No, that's not actually how we met. <laughs> no, we actually met. So, down with that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So Norbert actually came to my boxing gym, uh, shout out to Odyssey, and uh, I'll have to give her a shout out or she'll kill me. So Norbert went to school with uh, our mutual friend, a girl called Georgie, whose dad owns Odyssey Boxing, and she's like the, um, I wouldn't say, the, what's the word, the treasurer of the club. So she's there every week, and Norbert brought his younger siblings down to just do some boxing, and she texted me one day, I was like, oh, um, my mate from school is an MMA guy, and uh, he's coming to the gym. And she didn't really give me much information. She went, oh, it's an MMA guy. She, I was like, oh, cool. And then met him. We started chatting. And then she went, oh, no, he fights for... And she, I think she called it Bolator or something like that. And I was like, do you mean Bellator? Uh, yeah. Bolator. And she was like, oh, uh, maybe. Yeah, she called it Bolator. Bolator. I was like, well, I think Bolator. Bellator. <laughs> exactly. So, and we just got chatting. And she was like, no, but he's actually, like, legit. And we just started chatting. And every couple, every week or so, we would just keep chatting and just sort of built a friendship out of it and then we were like look this sort of worked together because um and obviously him fighting out of such a well-known uh a well-known gym as well i knew he trained with some savages and i was like look, i think he's going to go far watch his fights and i just saw if you go on his instagram there's like so, um, on the stare down instagram you see a lot of people talking very highly of him so like brendan schwab mentioned him you got josh thompson and um big john mccarthy mentioned him on their podcast so i was like well, this uh this is gonna be a future star Big Brown. I mean, this is, um, <laughs> imagine it was some sort of B-Tech, like Bellator kind of thing. It actually was like some made up kind of like, I actually got it right. It's actually called Bolator. And it's yes. like, <laughs> it's a makeshift thing. And the B's the wrong way around. Exactly. <laughs> some sort of Kimbo Slice kind of street fighting thing. But that is quite interesting then. So what was your side of that then, Norbert? So coming to the gym in that sort of way, was it? Yes. Yeah, so, Go on. So, Actually, I've been looking for someone like Dom. Like, obviously, I get I get messages from um, this management team, that management team, whatever, and I'm just like, kind obviously, I've got my contract. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, I had I had my I have my eye on, eye on a management team that I want to work with, and uh, I was like, I'm not gonna go to th- uh, to this person, that person. But at the same time, I was having fights like on main card on Bellator and. And like everyone else, like who was fine, they all had sponsors. I'm like, and I know the money I could make through sponsors and stuff. Do you get what I mean? Mm. But I'm like, 
I have no one to um to to help me to manage me that way. And uh but yeah, and then I went down to, to Odyssey to take my little brother and sister down for boxing and then uh Gina just uh introduced me to Dom and Dom actually knows one of my teammates and um funny enough like we we talked we talked uh, we talked about it whatever next day I go into the gym and uh, I go to my teammate he's like yeah like I just met Dom whatever and it was funny because he he was literally talking about Dom to my coach just before I said that to him and then right after Dom messaged him about something as well so I'm like this just you know like all the coincidences like it seems like it's gonna be something good so since then we we've, we've been working together and like Dom's got. He he's got me on some uh, big um, YouTube channels. Like last time I was on IFL TV, that was that was pretty sick. And and yeah, I'm grateful to have him in my team. Yeah, and that's the thing. Another thing is, I think with a lot of commercial sponsorship management, the main thing is getting your name out there. Because a lot a lot of times the brands will just come to him. And Norbert is on the trajectory, and the teammate he's talking about, Amir, um, he's on that trajectory as well. He's managed by Paradigm, who you know, kind yeah. of like the big agency in. In MMA, in my opinion, it's uh, obviously you've got Ali Abdelaziz, but for me, Paradigm's got the biggest stars. And um, I think that's where Norbert's sort of on that trajectory as well. So you've just got to keep getting their name out there. And it makes it 10 times easier when they've got character, they've got some charisma. And, you know, watching Norbert's interviews in Octagon, out of Octagon, he's, uh, he's a confident guy, he knows what he wants. And for me, that just makes it so much easier. And he's all right looking as well, I suppose. So that could help. It's all makeup. That's why I put a lot of makeup on. That's why I'm so buttons now because I finished my workout. I didn't have time to put the makeup on. Oh, candid. Oh, yeah. You know, just no makeup. It's all casual. <laughs> just putting the hair back. But you know in that film, you know in that film 300 where they like spray tan like abs onto you. Like Norbert does. <laughs> yeah. Template, just... yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Dom, you're saying all this. You said you met him when you had your trousers down. I mean, is there something I should be? Should I leave you two to it and have you on a podcast or what? <laughs> <laughs> We're hijacking this podcast, mate. Join me, Dom Haddy, on Fisticuffs every Wednesday and Thursday. Oh, alternate. He's his own little show. I kind of think you might like it a little bit, though, because you come on this podcast thinking, oh, I'm going to jump on Dan Slepp Boy. I'm just going to come in. You know, just you know, be there just in case. You know? Dan, if you want to get I'll, I'll get started. If you want to jump in when you're ready, you know, I'll get started. You know, if you want, want well, I'll be phone. your young Jamie. I'm happy to be your young Jamie, your Brian Callan. I'll be like that. I'm fine with that, mate. Brian Callan, how old are you? <laughs> I'm 57 years old. I was going to say, the airline. What? <laughs> <laughs> it's delighting. I've got, I've got hair. Here we are. Hey, back to fighting stuff. Back to Norbert. Sorry, <laughs> Sorry about that. Me and Dom, you know, what we, you know what we're like. Lost track. So, regardless of like, staying motivated and stuff, how are you like when you're not in the gym? Are you quite switched on all the time? Are you always watching tape? Are you like to switch off at all? Are you purely in your CrossFit when you're not MMA, how would, how would you like to have a sort of divide with that? I don't know. It really depends. Like, I watch a lot of fighting. Like, obviously, everything. So, that's I think they're just normal because I want to learn and I'm interested in it or whatever. So, so that's I think that's a normal stuff. But outside of that, I just, I read a lot. Um, that's why I try, you know, I just try to, like, improve myself in every way. So, I read a lot. I watch stuff that, like, documentaries, whatever. Like, I don't actually fuck about that much, you get what I mean? Mm. So, uh, I just try to improve myself as a person. So, and luckily, I've got my team as well. I'm, I'm very happy because they they are there to make me a better man. Do you get what I mean? So, so my 
my job is to to put in the work in every aspect of life in and outside the cage. Do you get what I mean? Definitely. And what you said there is really interesting about not fucking about because when you're saying about reading and watching documentaries and stuff, I think that's really important to have that constructive mindset of okay, this is my time off, but I want to do something that's going to build me up still. Like, what kind of stuff are you reading? Like, what kind of stuff are you watching? Is it all sport related? Is it all motivational stuff? Is it all just separate no, entirely? No, I'm reading uh, Dust Bugs Are Thustra by Nietzsche. So uh, that's that philosophy. Um, like my, my reading, it, sometimes I read like quite hard reading. Sometimes I read easy stuff. Uh, like I love, like for example, a couple books ago, I was reading like um, mythology. Like I've got so many mythology books. Just I've got like three Greek mythology books, two Norse mythology books. Then I've got psychology books. I've got marketing books. I've got... I've got um, loads of philosophy books, which I really like, a few sport books. So, like, I mix it up with everything. And documentaries, again, I watch a lot of, like, hist- historical stuff. So that's, that's like, I'm really into that kind of stuff. So, uh, yeah. There's something that, like, in, in, to me, that kind of stuff is interesting. Like, I, I'm, like, I play Xbox with my friends, like, every night. But I'm just, like, so bad at, like, I'm, like, literally, I'm shit at it. Like, I'm so bad. And that that doesn't really excite me, and they're like laughing and stuff like that. I'm like, how how are you laughing at me? You're just better at me because all you do is fucking spend all day. Like they cry all day that I'm bored, but they in front of the, like Xbox all day. Do you get what I mean? To me, that's just not me. I mean, philosophy so. is so important as well, especially in this kind of sport. Like you get like Frederick Nietzsche, these kind of like, what does it kill you make you stronger? That kind of mentality and these sort of elements of it, like beyond good and evil, and that kind of. Again, when you're such yeah. a cerebral sport, you're sat there trying to understand situations and understand such a, again, it's a very intangible sport, as in what is good, what is bad, and that kind of conception of the whole situation. And then to dissect certain elements and really understand certain values and what is actual progress and how to assess these situations. That's why philosophy is so important. That's why people really resonate with, um, you know, all the sort of jujitsu cliche cringe ones about like, you yeah. know, oceans and drowning and this kind of things and being a shark. Like, do you yeah. read a lot of like Jordan Peterson stuff as well? Yeah, yeah, I read his book as well. I got his book. I watched some of his stuff. I'm not as he's he's great. Don't get me wrong, but I'm not I'm not that big of a fan. As in, like, I like him, whatever. But I've got a friend who just keeps watching him every day, all day. Do you get? I'm, that's not really me. His voice. Watch cute. a few videos. I can't listen to him. <laughs> I can't listen to him. I can't watch frog. But yeah, I think I think. I wouldn't, even though MMA is a sport, it's not really a sport. Do you get what I mean? Combat fighting is a lifestyle. So, in a way, that's where the philosophy comes in. Do you get what I mean? Because, you know, every sport got the same, like, philosophy that work hard and it's going to pay, which is true. But then combat's got something more real, something more raw to it. Do you get what I mean? And two men, half naked, sweaty, resting together. Right, <laughs> yeah, that's how me and Norbert met, yeah, remember? <laughs> But no, no, but seriously, like, there's something else when, you know, someone is in front of you trying to kill you, and then your job is to protect yourself and kill them at the same time. Do you get what I mean? There's something more, more real to it. I don't know what's thing. happening. I don't know if you can hear it, people just shouting. Someone's getting killed. Maybe they're getting excited about your conversation about um, you and Dom. Maybe. Maybe some of those ones. <laughs> but yeah, what you've said there is even more interesting. Again, this whole, because we're going to sort of get there a bit later on, sort of the divide between fight and sport and what is MMA, what is combat and this kind of thing. And it is really interesting. You've already had that divide of, okay, I am training a sport, but on top of doing that sport, I need a separate mindset to be kill or be killed kind of, okay, this is war, but this is also a competition. This is also sport and having that divide. And then you're training separately to that. Like 
and again the whole lifestyle and when it comes to philosophy how do you find that you can use it into your actual i don't know development do you like it as a separate entity do you make it a big point with your motivation how do you like to use philosophy in your i don't know your day-to-day as such yeah it's weird because i should be putting like i'm really into stoicism which is like just do whatever you do whatever if you're suffering just suffer, suffer in silence but just, you, your goal is to be the best version of yourself do you get what i mean and suffering in silence can be really hard when you know you've been in the gym all day like every day it's like everything is aching and you're hurt and stuff like that it's kind of hard to suffer in silence um but yeah it's it's weird because i try i don't know i'm I feel like I'm still young to understand what's happening to me in a way. If you, I don't know how to explain it, but like I can merge them together and I see how the two are together. But at the same time, I don't really, I, I don't know if I'm trying to um, use my philosophy or the philosophy I read in real life as well. Do you get what I mean? Like I see it, how I can relate it, the books or like what I read to real life. But I don't know if I'm doing it on purpose. That's what I'm trying to say, basically, if you get what I mean. Oh, 100%. And this just gets even more interesting as we're going into this, that kind of, you're fi- you're going through the life and finding these pieces anyway. Like, okay, I feel shit because I've burned out doing this. I'm tired because I've done this. I feel good because I've done this. And then you find out certain connections from reading this independently, thinking, okay, I'm drawing a correlation between, okay, this sort of, we read the Daily Stoic by, um, I can't think who it is, Tim Wilde was talking about it. And again, the sort of concepts of like, you know, you sort of make the path in itself. Like, I don't know, how do I explain it? Like, for example, if you hear the cliche expression, what does it kill you, make you stronger, you think, yeah, whatever. But if you've trained and you think, okay, I've been beaten up, but now I'm better than I was. Oh, that makes sense now. It's sort of an yeah, afterthought kind of thing. Yeah, but this is where it comes in when you're like, like, absolutely fuck. Like, when you're yeah. smashed and you're like, it's in your head, like, listen, like, like I talk to, when I talk to myself, it's just like, I'm like, Fuck, I come with my I'm I'm tired, I want to sleep, whatever. And in your head is like, yeah, but this one's gonna like like you know, when you got a conversation with yourself and in, in your head is like, nah, but this one's gonna make you stronger, like this one's gonna get you like this one's gonna make you champion. And then you're like, shut the fuck up. Do you get what I mean? It's like shut shut up, man, you're tired, just fucking rest. And then again the voice comes back, but don't be a pussy, just do you know, do what you have to do. It's just yeah, it's it's funny how it works, how, how your brain tells you what to do, what it wants to do, and what it actually does want to do. Do you get what I mean? Well, the mother of like, joy is not joy. It's um, joylessness, isn't it? It's yeah. that kind of thing of, um, hey, uh, Frederick Nietzsche. Hey, uh. I'm, I'm <laughs> very lucky with my coach. Yeah, because my coach just puts it on me. So, like, uh, like a couple of days ago, I like I bent hip. And I'm like, I could barely... Oh, sorry, I moved this. Yeah, I could barely, like, walk and stuff. Like, I know they'll barely walk and stuff, but, like, I, I injured myself in the session before and I was supposed to go back. And I'm like, I just messaged him. I was like, listen, coach, I'm, I can't really walk now. I'm going to get a treatment. And the next day he goes, um, yeah, but these are the days when you have to be in. So, he's like, he's on me. So, he's like, yeah, every time I leave the gym, he's like, are you going to be in tonight? Are you going to be in tomorrow? Do you get what I mean? He puts it on me. Uh, and which is good because it, it keeps me in that, in that, in that mindset that fuck you need to show up even when you feel like shit. Do you get what I mean? Well, that's, yeah, sometimes it's it interesting. That, sorry, I thought you finished. That's all right. Yeah. So it's interesting. <laughs> it's interesting the amount of layers you've got to this kind of <laughs> philosophy in itself, and like, think about the different strains of like, okay, this is one situation. So you've got your core of 
I'm doing this to get to where I want to get to. Then you've also got this other layer of, okay, I'm tired. So my answer to that then comes from this sort of reference to this kind of understanding. And then there's this kind of, okay, I'm trying to treat this injury. So then I've got this other sort of connection. But I've also got this counteractive kind of thing of, okay, I need to be there to progress still. And all these different sort of, almost like a string. It's a good way to sort of sort of explain that. I'm thinking, okay, this goes there, this goes there, that goes there. And I'm trying to understand, okay, <laughs> which path am I going on? Where is this whole thing taking me? So am I going in the gym or out of the gym? Am I relaxing? Am I taking a day off? Am I recovering? Am I doing this? And trying to, I don't know, again, with the whole fighting thing as well, this not being a bitch and not... <laughs> And taking rest days when you actually need them and training smart and this whole contradicting counterintuitive thing. It's so interesting the what the right thing is to do. Like, here's a question for you. Do you believe in overtraining? I don't know. I, I don't know. Because I've felt before I felt like I was overtraining and then at the end of the day, so so I defined the states, yeah. And uh, I just my body just felt like I was overtraining. Like I was just managed like I remember my, my coach put me through hell and uh, like, yeah, I just, tomorrow I was saying to myself that, oh, I'm overtraining, I'm over this and that. And uh, at the end of the day, when I got to the fight, I was super ill, right? But because of all the workout, all the, all the rounds and everything I put in, even when I, I thought I was overtraining, like it kind of paid off because I couldn't see the guy. Like I was so ill, I couldn't see properly. I couldn't breathe. But then just because I had everything in my head, like I knew what was going to go, go next. And even though I couldn't see properly, I knew what to do. Do you get what I mean? So I don't know if I overtrained at the end of the day because it kind of paid off. And yeah, I don't know. There, there, is, there is a point when you're like, when you go on injury and then if you still keep going, because I, I had it and I still have stuff like that when I had a, an injury and uh, well, I had it before an injury and then... Uh, I didn't stop training. I didn't tell anyone, and it just got worse. So there is that part of it. Do you get what I mean? Well, but then... I don't really. I've never had that. Sorry, I never had that that part when I just trained so much. And I trained quite a lot, but I never had that when I was just like, like burning out or whatever. I don't even know how you, how you would consider overtraining. And this is where it gets really interesting. Is I always try and describe like attributes. You know, like you get like. Say FIFA, for example, get like an ultimate team card. You've got all these different bars, all the sims or whatever. You've got, okay, this is my strength. This is my endurance. This is this, that, and the other. And I see overtraining as, okay, I've exceeded this one bar too much, like too much strength, too much whatever else. So I need to recover that. But then these other ones you can sort of work on. And again, when you're getting that kind of overtrained, you're depleted, you're tired, you're underfed or whatever else, that's when you can train certain elements like your sort of durability, your mental toughness and other sort of things. And again, perspective is so powerful in these situations and this is a huge part of what's getting you where you are and keeping you where you are as well and that sort of stoicism of trying to persevere through that sort of hardship is built on that really it's that perspective on the situations but dan you could i think you could definitely overtrain the mind as well if you overthink anything whether it be positive or negative i think that could burn you out as well if you're just thinking about saying over and over and over and obviously when Norbert's stepping into a cage or whatever it is, it could be life. You're just overthinking. You've got to make either two decisions or you've just got one thing you need to train to. You're just overthinking it. That is a top. I feel that's a very strong term of, uh, of burnout. Oh, definitely. Because yeah, when it comes to, sorry, when it comes to that kind of thing as well, again, it's all right down to the bars. And it's all how you manage that as well. Because if you're thinking purely in the fight and thinking your strategy is so in-depth and just non-stop, when do you switch off? When do you relax? When do you recover? Because if you try and think about after a stressful day, trying to sleep, you've got so much going on in your head, it's so hard to switch off and actually recover properly. And then by the time you're waking up the next morning, 
do you feel recovered? And most of the time, no. And again, it's trying to get that balance. Like, how do you find that, Norbert, when it comes to your fight camps? Do you find you able to switch off when you need to, or are you always sort of switched on? Yeah, I don't know. It's hard. I had like, I had my last fight. I was switched on all the time. That's what. I, that's kind of. It was that. That was one of my problems. And I, I'm quite open about that because I was fucking. I didn't like. Yeah, I was just in a bad place as well. I was thinking about what if he does this, what if he does that. Do you get what I mean? And mm. this is my first big fight. Do you get what I mean? This is my first guy who who had way more fights than me. And and because even he was six and one on paper. Right, his record, but he did like a show, which is like the ultimate fight, or whatever. So he had like three or four other fights. You get what I mean? So he had way more fights than me. Uh, but just that that one doesn't go in the record, right? But he's still there. Uh, and I'm like, shit, he had way more fights than me. So, um, so I was just like, I was shitting it a little bit, but um, and and I was overthinking it, like, what if, what, what if this happens? What if that happens? And before that, I had like usually. In most fights, I'm not like that. Like when I have to think about it, I think about it. But when when I, I can turn it off, then I turn it off. And it's kind of hard as well when all you do is train. Do you get what I mean? Because now all I do, like until I was two and pro, I had school as well. Like I went to college and stuff. So when I wasn't training or I wasn't at home, I was with my friends in college or whatever. But now I don't, I don't really go out or I don't really see my friends that often. Do you get what I mean? So now is is like literally I train, training, I think about the fight, I come home, I watch a few more fights, and when I'm quiet, I'm still thinking about the fight. Do you get what I mean? So it's a bit harder when you do it full time as well, I think, when your life is really when now all I do is fighting really. So so I think I think it's a bit harder that way as well. But I don't know, I guess it depends like I, I guess it changes for people. Because I know I've teammates who literally don't give a fuck. Like who don't even look at I I've got teammates who don't even look at their opponents. It's like the coach will look at it, I might wait for one five, but that's all I don't really care. So uh, I guess it depends. Well this is why it's so interesting having this conversation because I feel like you will get different sort of types of people who deal with the situation in very different ways. You'll get people say Jiu Jitsu competitions are less stressful environment, for example. You'll get people who research their bracket, make sure they know everyone's like ins and outs and any sort of, I don't know, pictures from back at school, I don't know, like really intricate yeah. research you can find from a Facebook stalk. Then you get people who show up on the day without really even thinking about it, and then, you know, and do all right still. And how you manipulate it is really down to how you feel more comfortable. And like, do you feel, I don't know, do you feel quite anxious? Do you ever deal with the sort of anxiety and those kind of feelings when it comes to these situations? Do you get quite worked up? Do you put a lot of pressure on yourself like to feel like you're underperforming, you're under training if you're not always burnt out? Yeah, it depends. Like I'm I'm very um not out yeah, I'm kind of perfectionist, but I'm very strict to myself. Like I'm like if let's say I've got a good round or whatever, I've made a mistake and I'm still like like I made that mistake. I shouldn't have. Do you get what I mean? Or if I had, a, even if I, let's say I, I didn't see, like, let's say I had a good round, and uh, well, I thought I had a good round, and my coach was like, "Oh, you made this mistake," and and I didn't like it. Then again, that puts me in a different mood. I'm like, "Why did I make that mistake?" Do you get what I mean? So, so I've got that thing in me, but I guess that's what makes me want to get everything perfect, and that's what doesn't. That's why I don't mind putting in the work, because I know if I put in the work. Then the more, then I can I can fix those mistakes. So the less mistakes I'm gonna have. You get what I mean? 
I mean, this is always a very interesting, again, this crossroads again of being critical to put all, to improve, but then also being happy with your performance but not satisfied. And again, how you then perceive yourself that when it comes to that self-belief versus the criticism and that self-doubt versus, you know, being honest with yourself. Like, how do you feel in a sense of, I don't know, confidence in your abilities versus the way you criticize and try and keep yourself to the highest standard? Do you feel you are, I don't know, do you feel you put yourself down or do you feel you bring yourself to your actual level? Like, how do you feel you perceive yourself? I don't really know. I, don't, I, I can't answer the question because I don't know the answer to that. I'm not going to lie. Uh, yeah, I don't actually know. I think sometimes I think that I'm better than I... Nah, sometimes I see my own level. I'm not going to lie. Sometimes I'm like, okay, this is what this is level I'm on. Uh, especially now. Uh, when I was younger, I was like, I always thought I was better than I actually was. And uh, now I see my actual level. But I often put myself down. I often I'm like... Because in fighting, you always learn something new. And even though like I'm four and zero, I feel like I'm gonna technically I'm on a on a higher level. And uh, but every time I learn something new, I realize that I'm not even on that high level. Do you get what I mean? Maybe I'm higher than an average guy, so an average four and zero, whatever. But like I'm not on the same level as a twenty and zero guy. Do you get what I mean? So then I'm, I'm that kind of humbles me in a way. Don't get me wrong, I'm not humble really. I'm quite cocky, but. <laughs> To myself, to myself, in my, in my, like I humble myself with that, if you get what I mean. I'll tell you what, it's an interesting sort of way you've answered that. And I'll give you a bit of philosophy back for you. I'm going to throw this over. Cogito ergo sum. I think I therefore I am. And with that, I feel that because you question everything about your performance, you question so much, you think about how I am versus different scenarios and your fact you're analysing it is a good way of measuring your level. Because again, it's such an intangible thing of what is good, what is bad. If you beat someone who is less skilled than you, you've got a win. Does that mean you're better or worse as a result? You got beaten by someone who's better than you. Does that mean you're better or worse? And again, how do you measure that? And this is where it gets so interesting in the sense of because you're testing yourself in these different environments. And the way I ask that question, I ask it like I want a direct answer and I don't. What I want is you to really try and analyse that situation and really try and understand, I don't know, the way you're perceiving yourself and how you expect it to reward yourself. Because the whole idea of correcting mistakes to get a finite finished product works if you've got a guideline to stick to. Whereas if it's going to be never ending of trying to keep things perfect, it's then trying to find the level of, I am at a level, this is what works for me. I built the structure, if you see what I mean. So I'm going to go on a bit of a tangent with this. And it's more of a case of how you, what is going to be enough for you to be happy and satisfied in your performances? Yeah, yeah I think it can never be, they're never that perfect. Like, it's, you know, everyone wants the perfect, even I, like this one saying, I always want that perfect stuff, but it's never going to be that perfect. Do you get what I mean? Even when you have a good like performance against the best guy in the world, and you beat them up, there's going to be something that you're like, fuck, why did I do that? Do you get what I mean? So it's never going to be perfect. Uh, and I think I'm realizing that. But then, the, it, I don't know, it's a very hard question. And if I would need to think about it more. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I think the best way to, yeah, okay. So the best, the best way I can answer that is I think my goal should be to be the best version of myself. Do you get what I mean? 
And if you can achieve that, I think you're you're there. I don't know. I think it's kind of hard to answer that question. I need to uh, think it through a bit more. Again, it's that's a good be, question. It's going to be intentionally think, quite hard. Sorry, I think Virgil, you're talking, Tom. Go on. So, no, that's a very good question. I think every day as well for fighters as well, the perfect performance, it probably changes. Some days you want to do, you want to go out there and smoke someone in 15 seconds. There's probably some days where you think, oh, I'll tell you what would be a good fight. If it's a back and forth or I'm down on the scorecards and I manage to pull it out and I get the finish in the fifth or in the third, you know, if in your head is championship fight, it's back and forth for four rounds. In that fifth, you manage to get the fight, but you're bloodied, you're tired, you've put through the ringer. And then there's probably some other times you think the perfect performance is a nice quick finish and you come out there and you, you put out a statement. So that's probably a very, very tough thing to think about because, like you say, it's 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 fluid. That answer, that, that idea is just so fluid. But like you say, it's a very good... Uh, I think it's a very good question. It's very hard to answer. And this is why I wanted to ask, especially sort of sort of going over your sort of philosophy, sort of like interests and that kind of mindset. And again, with Nietzsche being quite creative himself and those kind of influences of, okay, with creation and creativity, it doesn't give you a tangible answer. It doesn't give you what is the perfect this, that or the other. There isn't guidelines. And then it's your own interpretation. And also with the stoicism of what is going to be enough and what is going to be your goals what's going to be this that and the other so when answering that i wanted to see how you answered it and the fact you didn't have an answer is the perfect response i feel because what is going to be enough and there isn't going to be enough and it depends on where your goals and where your values are with this and what does fighting mean to you because as very self-aware as you are as to how you analyze your performance it being combat why do you fight in that sense what does it bring to you that nothing else can provide as such yeah, there's a yeah, there's that cliche stuff that everyone's got their own fight or whatever. Do you get what I mean? So yeah. I think we always part of the everyone's got their own fight, but I think as I say, just a lifestyle, something so real to it. Do you get what I mean? Mm. In in our world when everyone's fake and and you know, like you see social media guys and they're like doing this workout, that workout. <laughs> Look at me, how fit I am, and you put them on a rower and get them to score this much in that time. And they, you know, they stop or whatever. They can't do it. Do you get what I mean? And uh, I think with fighting, you can't really lie. In, if, if, if you say that you're so good, whatever, you're going to get exposed at one point. Do you get, I, I, it's kind of, I don't know. Again, fighting for me is everything. To me, fighting means everything, really. That's what got me. Like, that's what I was born into. My dad was a fighter. Uh, like, I've been around fighting since I was born. So, to me, fighting's been everything. And even when I didn't think it was going to be anything to me when I was younger, because I wanted to be a basketball player, uh, it was still, like, I was still fighting with my... I was still playing wrestling with my dad. Do you get what I mean? For me, I was, I was always into Greek mythology, Hercules, and I was, I, like, worried about Achilles. It's like, that, that's what I grew into, grow up, like, watching and, and reading. Do you get what I mean? So, to me, like, I remember... Is that why you got hair like Samson? I, I was always... Pardon? Is that why you got hair, hair like Samson? Like Samson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I always, like, I always had, like, swords. Like, if you went into my room when I was a kid, like, you know, most kids got cars and, and Lego and, and this stuff, that stuff, yeah. I had shields and swords, which is quite funny. Like, that's literally all I had, like, all the toys I had. Uh, so, for me, combat, like, fighting was always there. Like, I don't know. To me, that's everything, really. Yes, yeah. Do you feel, I don't know, are you afraid of being exposed for not living up to your standards? 
Uh, what do you mean by that? Sorry. So again, because of how critical you are, it almost seems a sense of because saying that as well, you were born into it. You've been it's been in your blood. It's been in your nature. And the amount of time you spend, spending all this time making sure no stones unturned, you're always switched on. You're always doing this that, and the other. Do you do it as a sense of I need to be at this standard? I'm not nor but I am this fighter, I am this natural born warrior as such. Do you feel any sort of I don't know, anxieties to perform to that standard or are you quite composed with each no. sort of test as such? Yeah, I don't know. As I said, I think my goal is to be the best version of myself. Do you get what I mean? Mm. And I think the best version of myself is a world champion. So it's the best in the world. That's the best version of myself. So if I can be my best version of myself, I can be the best in the world. Do you get what I mean? So that's my goal, to be the best version of myself. Yeah. I think that's 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 why I, it's not that I'm I'm nervous about getting exposed or whatever. I just not living up, not not being the best version of myself. Not even my standards, but the best version of myself. Because the best version of myself is maybe above my standards. I just don't know it yet. Do you get what I mean? I mean, this is where the question really comes from. Because again, it's not a case of exposing the sense of you being a fraud or anything. It's more in the sense of if you've got these really high standards and you're working to those high standards, almost so you'll never achieve those high standards because they're always going to be above what you're going to be at. It's always going to be a carrot in front of you. You're ch chasing. In a sense, I think of... I'm always. I think I'm always going to have that with everything. I have that with everything. Like I know I'm horrible at like Xbox, whatever. And when I play with my friends, I get mad. I'm like. Like, just let me get one kill, man. Like, why do I have like, to die straight away? <laughs> it's mad. It's mad. And uh, I think I'm like that with everything. Like, um, yeah, with everything. Like, let's say I'm reading a book, and if it's taking me more than a week, I'm like, what am I doing? Why? And it can be a long book, but I'm like, what am I doing? Why am I taking so long? Or we, we whatever. Do you get what I mean? I'm, I'm like, I'm very, um, yeah, I always want better and better and better. But I think they're just my personality. I might change when I get older, but at the moment, maybe I'm just too wild at the moment, too young. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe subconsciously you want to be in the gulag because you're used to one-on-one -on -one contact. I know. I'm horrible. I get killed straight away. <laughs> I am I don't want to be that. so bad. Listen, I'm, if I'm with my friends, I can just, you know, if I follow them around. There's always, like, I, I like start following one of them. And I follow them around the whole game. And if they die, I go somewhere else, someone else. It's horrible. I don't even care anyone. I'm just hiding. I'm just there. If someone gets shot, I'll go, I'll, I'll uh, revive them. But other than that, I'm just going to be hiding in the house. <laughs> I'm so bad at it. I just, when I'm with my mates on it, I, I'm so bad at it. Like when we jump into like a car or something, I just ride bitch and just cruise around. That's what I just love. Like, for me, it's like a GTA cruise. They don't even let me in the car, man. I'm bad. <laughs> <laughs> still on the plane, he hasn't jumped yet. <laughs> Uh, it's horrible. It's horrible. It's, um, yeah. But you're back Easily. to the original sort of point with this. What I really wanted to really understand with this then is when you've got this critical sort of mindset is when things don't work out. Say you get tapped inspiring, you lose a round or you end up coming short in a fight. At what point do you let yourself accept a mistake and then grow from it? Because my sort of understanding of the way you explain this is you're always going to be a step behind where you want to be. So you're always going to be climbing. But if you end up coming up short, how do you then take that experience? Because I can easily see that sort of taking you, okay, now I'm not going to be in a position to compete again until I've, you know, caught up and then you'll never catch up and then you'll be detrimental in the sort of spiral, if you see what I mean. I Listen, luckily, I haven't, I didn't have to be in that 
position, yeah, and hopefully I won't ever have to be in that position. That's what I'm working for. Uh, some for a lot of people, it helps. You get what I mean? Like a lot of people have that one loss, which changes their whole mindset, and they come back at a different person. Do you get what I mean? A mm. uh, different person. Uh, hopefully, I haven't been. Uh, luckily, I haven't been there yet, and hopefully, I will never be. So I, it's again, it's something that's hard to answer because it's it's like it's like uh, asking. It's like who do you, who would you choose if someone has to die, your mum or your dad? Do you get what I mean? You can't really answer that unless you're in that position, or if you know, depending on the relationship with your parents. Again, that was a stupid. Uh, uh, yeah, I shouldn't have used that one. But like, do you get what I mean? Unless yeah, yeah. you're in that position. It's kind of hard to say your like what you want to do. Do you get what I mean? What the would you would you fancy McDonald's or Burger King? Like, uh, Burger King, I was about to say, it's a different conversation. Ah, Mackey's, Mackey's. Mackey's is so dead. It's so yeah. right at the time, but afterwards it's not worth it. I don't even go. I don't even. I don't even do fast food. I hate. No, it's just like, would you prefer asparagus or broccoli? Like you got to pick one. Go. Asparagus. <laughs> when I cut away asparagus, normally, not nah, actually. Oh, Why is this a conversation? Cauliflower <laughs> broccoli. Well, yeah, I said broccoli. I eat more broccoli, but then again, I eat more broccoli now because I had cauliflower is a bit close to home, isn't it? <laughs> no, I, can't. I hate cauliflower. I don't like it. Oh, that's a hard question. To be fair, I say it's a stupid uh, question. The only such thing is a stupid question on a podcast. Stupid people. <laughs> exactly. I don't know. I say asparagus. I prefer asparagus. Okay. See. I'm, gl- I'm glad we've um, answered that. I'm sure you've never had these questions on a MMA podcast before about what's your favourite vegetable and you know this sort of <laughs> I don't know these existential crises of understanding what it means to fight and who you are as a person. But you know, let's try and stay away from the usual boring questions about weight cutting and the usual fun stuff. Let's go to yeah. a bit more unique ones. Um, <laughs> that is a that is an interesting sort of self-destructive and also self-constructive mindset of being a sort of stoic and again when it comes to such an individual sport what it is and this is where it gets even more interesting of what you were saying about being these sort of fake people of look at me hit the pads look at me do this certainly have look at me with my shirt off i mean i'm describing my instagram that's not the point we're not going to point fingers anymore <laughs> but it's more a case of hey look at me i'm an absolute savage gotta train with everyone but then also playing the game of this is social media this is building myself up because It'd be all well and good not being on social media, not being on good podcasts like Fisticuffs available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. But um, <laughs> it's, um, if you don't do that, you could be one of the best fighters in the world, but always be stuck on an undercard because you're not selling tickets. Like, How would yeah. you find that balance of you know giving enough to be in the spotlight, but also being you and having... You know, thesis is ship. That thing of at what point is too much? Is anything too much? At what point are you not you anymore? Mm. I don't know. Um, yeah, again, I looking at my social media, like I'm, I'm really myself in a way. Like I just don't post. Like I don't really go out that often, so I don't post anything that I'm fighting. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. It's hard. Like I think that's one of my uh, good and bad things in a way. That like I don't. I'm not trying to. I when I was younger, I used to try to be someone else all the time. And I think that's why my gym, every time I get, like, get a new haircut or whatever, and like, the first question my coach is, I was like, oh, who are you trying to be like? And I'm like, I'm not trying to be like anyone else, really. I just try to style. Uh, but because when I was younger, I was like, like oh, I want to be like this guy. I want to be like that guy. Do you get what I mean? I think I kind of grew out of that. Do you get what I mean? I think I kind of want to get my own 
Salve, do you get what I mean? Do, do you get what How many times did I say, do you get what Should I mean? Should I get a little tally chart every time you say, do you get what I mean? But um, it, this becomes another conversation I really want to get into because you've said this quite a bit again. Where do you draw the line between copying and influence? Because if you see something that you could use and you could get some effect from there, but you've got this sort of hang up of, I don't want to copy, I want to be me, I don't want to be someone else. How do you draw that line yeah. of taking what benefit oh. to, for you, but also not trying to be someone else? If it works for you, then just fucking do it. I don't think you should care about it unless you're overdoing it. Do you get what I mean? But if it works for you, like uh, mm-hmm. everyone takes the piss out of uh, the James Gallagher, right? That, oh, it's Conor McGregor, want to be this and that. Do you get what I mean? Yeah. But his main event in shows whatever fighting what he's doing. So why wouldn't he do it? Do you get what I mean? Fucking hell. I say, do you get what I mean so many times? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think if it was working for you, yeah, then copy. Do you get what I mean? Oh, my God. He's done it over there. <laughs> people listening Let's on audio only, I'm doing a little, like, imaginary, like, tally chart just every time Norbert says, do you get what I mean? But no, I get what you mean by being a wannabe and stuff. But in the so same... you do get what he means. You do get what he <laughs> means. I get exactly what he means. Because he's checking... The only reason I get what he means is because he's checking everyone on me, making sure I understand. Now... <laughs> but no, it does make sense, the whole idea of, yeah, they're an imitator of this, that, and the other. But if it works, like, no one criticizes when you're doing well. Everyone's got an opinion. But if, you, if it's working, like, you know... Yeah. You I can think tr- the main thing is if it's a gimmick. If it's a gimmick, then it's not going to work. If you're just yourself and, look... Obviously, if anyone's ever confident or a little bit brash or a little bit cocky, they get sort of straight away um, uh, said like they're trying to sort of follow in Connor's footsteps. But guess what? There's a lot of people in the world, especially in combat sports, who are brash, who are cocky, who are confident and who believe they're going to do great things. If you're naturally like that, then it's going to seen. If you're a gimmick, then it doesn't get seen. And and people can poke holes in it. Like Colby. I think I personally think Colby did a great job in what he's done. He's come out of obscurity and he's made himself, you know, ranked number two and just fought for the title and, and sort of the most polarizing figure in MMA right now. It's a gimmick, but we also know that he knows it's a gimmick. And I think that's why it works, where some people try and do a gimmick and they try and make people believe that's actually them. And that's yeah, why it works. Yeah, I, I was gonna say this. Something like a lot, a lot of people, you can just tell. I think they snort them. Do you get what I mean? Fucking hell. Ah, uh, <laughs> you can tell they snort them. Um, and yeah, and I think uh, when you're with someone uh, like like Gallagher McGregor again, like they are, to, they've been together for a long time. Do you get what I mean? Oh my god! And you pick up. <laughs> <laughs> and you can pick up those little things, right? You pick up those little things. He was going to say again. Uh, was gonna say again. I saw it. <laughs> <laughs> Get someone else talk uh, But yeah, no, I think you, if you're surrounded by people, I think naturally you pick up their like, gimmicks and their, like their and little behavior. Do you get what I mean? Oh my God. All right, someone else talk. Okay, so with, with that, it's really interesting. This... I think a lot of it is evolution with the market. So you take Colby Covington, for example. He was on the cusp of getting cut to then go to the number two spot. His fighting hasn't really changed that much. But his whole persona of being, you know, the absolute heel of the UFC. And as much as people want the UFC to go back to what it was of the best fight the best, the number eight fights number seven, and so on and so forth, that's gone. That's almost dead and buried pretty much. It's now a yeah. popularity contest. If you don't stare in that skid, you're not going to be part of it. And that's the gist of it. 
And when it comes to okay. Connor, as mentioned in um, John Kavanagh's book, Win or Learn, as I've got here, um, he mentions quite a lot that this is just Connor. He is who he is. He has that, you know, cockiness. He just has the laugh. And as soon as he's got a microphone, he sort of steers it. He loves it. Now, people see his sort of, you know, traction he's got, his fame and everything else. And people want to emulate that. And my response to that is, why the fuck wouldn't you? Get Gordon McGregor wannabe. If you're getting food on your table, I mean, who who you got to worry about? Some troll online is yeah, calling you a wannabe or, you know. Do you get what I mean? Yeah, the original. I think the original was like Michael Bispin and I think the original was like Charles Sonnen. Like, for me, the original bad boy was Chris Lieben. I remember watching him. Oh, he's a knob. But he was himself. But he was himself. People thought, oh, he's an absolute knob. He's this, he's that. But I liked him. I hated Josh Koscheck. I had oh, like... I hate you invested him. That's why you invested in that series because you're like, it's like Bobby Southworth and Josh Koscheck against like Chris Lieben and then there's like Nate Quarry and then there's Kenny Florin in the middle. And Kenny Florin didn't really get a lot of face time, but then he became very successful after and he became a very good speaker. But like you see the likes of the Michael Bispins and stuff. Those are the ones who they fought for 15 years. They're still, he's, you know, he's a, he's a color, a color commentator. He does his own podcast. He's the one who, who's brought it out. And someone like Chris Lieben, who is kind of gone into obscurity, unfortunately, it's something like that. It's uh, it's all about how you continue and how you just kind of stick to yourself. Yeah, I was going to say it's it's kind of like a, a your personal thing. If you a personal, how would you not? I don't know how to say it, but like for them, for someone like the people that all these Russian guys or whatever, they quite and to them like for them their life was basically that just be. Humble, be this, be that. Do you get what I mean? But if you're, let's say, you're a bit more Western, whatever. If you like here, for example, from compared to where I'm from, right? So whatever here, let's say I do an interview, whatever, and people uh, are like, "Oh, this guy is like funny or this and that." Do you get what I mean? In Hungary, as soon as I do an interview, most people are like, "Oh, he's full of himself. He's a this and that." Do you get what I mean? It's a bit more. It's a bit more east. Like, ah. Just keep going. Just keep it going, Norby. Come on. Yeah. Um, I get what you mean, though. I right? think it changed. By a person like I know, I know guys who are way more humble than in real life as well. Some guys, like me, I'm I've, I've got a big mouth. I'm gonna chat shit to a lot of people. Do you get what? You understand me? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. It's changed. <laughs> Good thing. <save. laughs> and uh, I think I think it's also what you're like in person. And if you're, cause I've seen guys like quite a people. Yeah, like I'm not gonna name anyone, but you've been super quiet, whatever, and just suddenly when they got fired or just suddenly they just change and and now they they start talking shit and and calling people out, whatever. But when you see them, they're like quiet. They don't even say a word. You get what I mean? You see what I'm saying? I do see what you're saying, <laughs> and I do know what you mean. And again, it's really interesting hearing this kind of understanding of the market as well, because it's all well and good if you get too worried about people calling you like outspoken and stuff you don't start saying anything you won't find yourself on the prelims you won't find yourself anywhere you'll go off the radar you haven't got to be like you know a knob as such but just having a voice and being in the spotlight like like we're saying at the start like being on these sort of podcasts like you know Mr. Cuff's available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify um it's getting yourself out there so people see people hear you thinking oh I'm getting sick of him oh look he's got a big fight I'm not surprised he's been everywhere and it's having that kind of voice and being there and it is really yeah. important having that kind of, again, that image. And also, yeah. oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead, Norbert. I'll say something after. 
Like I just said, it's also your personality. If that's your natural, like, genuine personality to talk shit and be cocky, whatever, yeah, it's, it, it will probably suit you. Do you get what? Do you see, do you see where I'm coming from? Yeah. It's going to suit you. And that's it. Um, and I remember, um, this is on top of exactly what Norb was saying. I remember on, it was when Chow Sonnen was on uh, the Rogan podcast, available on just Spotify and Spotify only for 100 million. Um, they said, yeah, slightly. Uh, he said to him, he's like, uh, uh, the one thing I cannot stand is when, because obviously, yeah, well, again, everyone knew Chelsea Sonnen's thing was like a little persona, but people just kind of went along with it. But he said, the one thing I do not understand is eat, win or lose, where after the fight, if you're in that cage and there's a mic in your face, especially if you win, and, you know, if Joe Rogan asks a question, if anyone else, or if you're in Bellator, Josh Thompson asks a question, they tear up for you. They say, what do you want to do next? Who do you want next? And what you say back is, I just, give me whoever they want. I don't care. And what you're trying to perceive is, I, I will fight anyone. And obviously, that's what you want to show. But what they're really trying to say is, what Cheryl always saw it was, the second your first that fight ends, the marketing for the next fight begins. So you can use that platform. When everyone's on you, everyone's looking at you, you had a good fight, you got a good win. This is where you go, I want this person. Even if that person is 10 places ahead of you in the rankings, it starts a conversation on all the forums and all the podcasts and all the websites. This guy called out this guy. Sean O'Malley and Cody Gobrand is the perfect example. Sean O'Malley beat Eddie Wineland. You know, he fought for a title years ago. He's, he's not at the top tier anymore. Cody Garbrandt just knocked out the number three guy in the world on the same card. And Cody Garbrandt should really be now looking for a title shot. Sean O'Malley's not fought anyone in the top 15 before. But he's calling out Cody Garbrandt. He's saying things on Instagram. He's doing funny videos. He's trying to build something. So even if they're not going to fight now, if they somehow meet in the future, he's, he's hoping that Cody Garbrandt somehow gets the title back and then he's already lined up that marketing for him to fight him for the title. But this is where the personal, your personal rules come in. Is that so? I don't rule. I don't even know how to say it. But like, like ethics come I, I, I yeah. don't usually check shit about my, uh, my opponents. So I, I, I personally, uh, unless... I really want to find this person or unless they said something about me, I wouldn't really mention them. Do you get what I mean? I'll say exactly. this about myself. I'll be like, listen, I'll be the world champion. I'll be the best in the world. And whoever they put in front of me, I'm going to beat them up. But I'm not going to be like, yeah, this guy, I'm going to fight you next. I'm going to beat you up. Because uh, to me, that's like not much point. Do you get what I mean? Do you see? Yeah. And, that's, and that's still marketing, though. What you just said, Norm, is perfect. At the end of the fight, you don't have to necessarily say, I want this specific person. You can say, I'm going to be future champion. So whoever you put in front of me, it is yeah. what it is. But Norbert already, not, but then Norbert genuinely believes he's going to be the future champion. And so do a lot of other people. So it works out very well because they're not just, he's not a guy who, you know, they're, they're out there and you need these people in the organization who's five and four and, uh, you know, not necessarily for anyone of note. Norbert in his last fight, he went into a, a crowded uh, arena in Dublin and had 20,000 Irish people boo him. And he still went out there. And if you watch the fight, he was cool. He was calm. He was showboated. He was doing all this. And everyone was like, damn. And that's what got a lot of names. He didn't call anyone out after, but the Brendan Schwabs and everyone was like, this guy's legit. But what he did say after Josh Thompson was, I'm going to be the fucking best. And so keep an eye on me and watch me go. I mean, this is where it gets really interesting. Like, you get the Chael Sonnens that as soon as he's asked an irrelevant question of how do you think that went, he starts going up, Anderson Silva, and all this, that, and the other, and starts this. But then you also get, like, people wanting to spoil the party because as soon as someone gets a bit of, like, you know, spotlight, 
that's when people start butting in because it works both ways. Again, if you're organically wanting to call someone out for a for a fight, that's one thing. But if you want to be the poster boy, be the sort of, okay, everyone likes me, I'm the man of the hour, then people are going to come at you like proactively, like, you know, counterintuitively. Yeah. So there you are trying to build up your image and these opportunities present themselves. And this is where you need sort of management and guidance because as much as fighters will fight anyone, is then having the sort of smart fights and the right opportunities. Because as Norbert specified very early at the start, which is very accurate, as much as it is a fight, it's also a sport. And coming as a sport, it has bodies behind it and has an organization, has business. And you got to make sure your miles on the clock aren't, you know, taken up with people aren't worth it. Yeah, as I said, I'm very lucky to the people that are, that are little, 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 the people who are around me because uh, they know what they're doing and, you know, my team, they, they are main event in every single show on, on the world. So my coaches know everything about it. Obviously, I've, I've got stars around me. So just, just I've got Paige, obviously, now Chizora, um, James High School. Like these they, these guys and, and Carlos Mola, these guys are like famous people, like pretty famous people. Do you get what I mean? Oh, my God. But they, they can give me advice. Do you get, and they tell me, oh, you should, you should have said this. Or why did you say that? And then... Obviously, they take the piss out of me most of the time, but like they kind of mean it at the same time. So they're like, um, let's say I say something, they're like, that was stupid, you should have said that. And they say in a lot worse way, you know, and they make me feel shit. But then I'm like, to be fair, they are right. They're actually trying to help me at the same time. And they, even though they're taking the piss, they're trying to help me. So, uh, so I'm very happy, I'm very lucky and happy with the people that are around me. And that's with London Shoot Fighters. Well, they've got obviously they've got the top of the top for sort of European MMA. But like I said, he's got James Haskell, who's England rugby legend. You've got Derek Chisora, who's just a legend of British boxing, who's fought you know he's fought one of the Klitschko's, he's fought everyone. They all have they all know. You what, sorry? MVP down there as well at London Shoot, is it? Yeah, well, no, so, yeah. So at London Shoot, they've already got the the MMA lot who are massive, but the people like the Haskells and the Chisoras, they've got a sort of a different eye because. Obviously, Chisora's fought in for a world title in boxing. He's had all those people, and he's had loads of controversy. He's, had, he's somehow gone through all of that. Whereas James Haskell, you know, I'm already a rugby fan, but I believe he was captain of England. So, you know, to have those eyes on you seen as sort of a leader of a country for one sport, he's obviously going to get little crit, uh, critiques. So he's been through a lot as well. So these and, people are going to help Norbert. So, yeah, and, and that's, why, that's why I said I'm very lucky because I can just ask for advice, like, uh, what do you think I should uh, do on my social media? What, what do you think I should do here or that? Do you get what I mean? Yeah. Oh my god! Anyway, and they give me like little advice, and then it's just like cool. Like you're learning more stuff. And again, as I said, my coaches are just yeah. They they they've been around this sport and, and all this kind of stuff, and uh, they know everything as well. So uh, I I can ask them the same question and and. Uh, Basically, before my last fight, uh, last fight, my coach said, "When you do your interviews, say this, and just tell them." Basically, he told me that to say that people are going to bleed, and I just always have kind of changed it as well, um, uh, and I put my own, own stuff there as well. And and I said, uh, "You'll see someone, you'll see someone, you might see some of my blood, but I promise you that he, you'll see his blood." And uh, I said that, and at the end of the fight, uh, at the end, someone like a, a page brought an article, and they were like, 
oh, he predicted what he was saying. He predicted blood and he, do you get what I mean? Yeah, yeah, and if yeah. you've got these people around you and, and they can give you this kind of advice with marketing and everything, then you're just lucky. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very lucky. I mean, what was the expression? Was it if you've seen further because you've stood on the shoulders of giants and literally in the case of James Haskell, but in the sense of, yeah, you've got this experience and making the most out of it because why not? It definitely makes sense, especially in this age of social media and being in the eyes of, you know, Bellator and the rest of it to make the most out of your opportunities in every sort of given stage, not just when push comes to shove of the fight day, but, you know, behind the scenes and the build up and then the off season when it comes to things like this. Now, boys, I have really, really enjoyed this podcast. Where can people find you? If you get what I mean. Yeah, so yeah, no, same for me. Is at Stare Down Fighting. That would be the uh, the best place. That's where I have all the latest news on all of my guys that you've listened to on the Fifty Cuffs podcast, available on Apple Play, Spotify, and anywhere else you can get a podcast. He knows. And um, you can find me on, as Magic Norby on on all social media. I think. Yeah. So yeah. Cool. That be in the description. Today's episode was brought to you by Mauler MMA. Use code FCMMA20 at checkout for 20% off on all products on maulermma.com.